This is Finding Quantum Quest. I'm Spencer Worth Davis. So we're going to attempt a bonus episode of Finding Quantum Quest. I like, I like the verb attempt. You've all, you've all earned it. Yeah. We're going to yeah. try. We're not promising anything. We're going to try. I'm Spencer. That's Ryan. That's Sam. Sam. And Hi. Hello. We are lucky enough to have some audio comparing the two different casts of Quantum Quest. So if you might remember, there was the cast from 2000-ish with John Travolta and Sarah Michelle Gellar, Christian Slater, Do you have the whole original cast? I do. I feel like it's worth jogging the audience's memory, by which I mean my own. Sure. Of that entire entire list of actors. So there was a fair amount of overlap. Right. So I'll I'll point out the differences. Uh, John Travolta played Dave, our main character. Right. Who was later replaced by Chris Pine. Right. Sarah Michelle Gellar played Raina, mm-hmm. who was later replaced by Amanda Peet and renamed to Ranger. Mm. What's the tweet? No, we never asked. Uh, Harry originally named that character after his wife, I believe, and then changed it. Uh, got it. All right. Trouble in paradise. <laughs> oh, no. uh, Michael York played the core mm. instead of uh, William Shatner. Sure. David Warner played the Void, who was later replaced by Mark Hamill. And Ann Archer was Gal 2000, a.k.a. the computer inside Cassini, uh-huh. who was re- later replaced by Sandra Oh. And then uh, Christian Slater was Jammer, who was replaced by Hayden Christensen. That's the, the space surfing lizard guy. Look, I got to say, most of those sound generally like upgrades, Uh, except for Slater, man. Slater, our Slater was still. Hayden Christensen is a great, goofy, space-surfing lizard. Yeah, you're right. Okay, you're right. So my immediate reaction to John Travolta turns into Chris Pine is holy shit, so much time passed between these two things. Sure. Yeah. Because I think of like that movie from the mid 90s where Travolta's an angel for whatever reason. I don't oh, know. wow. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Though? Yeah, I do. But I it's from like 95. And I have Hang no on. memories of Chris Pine before like 2008. And well, so that's the like a shitload of time has passed here marker for my brain. So they or, they originally cast this in what like ninety seven or ninety eight, and then right. started recording it in two thousand, and then the second version was recorded in oh seven to oh eight ish. And Chris Pine really like the the first new Star Trek movie was really what launched his career, right? And this would have been before right that, before it, yeah, yeah. Or so, so Chris Pine hadn't really done. Much at that point, I don't think. He was a burgeoning actor. Yeah. Michael is the movie you're referring to. It is Michael, yes. Hell yeah. Yeah. Michael by- I do remember that now. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, we're looking at like a almost decade passing between these two castings. That's wild to think about. I feel like, I I, I guess I knew that just from- our time on the project, but I guess when you say it like that and you, and you do put it into that framework of from Michael to Chris Pine becoming famous, it's like a little, I mean, it's jarring is not the right word, but it is, it is like, Oh, that's like, that is a lot of time. 
the Dave character is supposed to do like a coming of age thing in this movie to some degree, and John Travolta was fifty four years old in two thousand eight. Yeah, and, well, and and Chris Pine would have been seventeen in nineteen ninety seven. Right. So damn, there is a significant age difference yeah, there. Some yeah. stuff happened, sure. which I think is a, we'll get into it obviously, but I I think a lot of like why Chris Pine makes more sense as that main character. Travolta would have been in his. Well, you just said 54. Yeah. Playing like essentially a a kid in the beginning of the movie. Well, right. And I mean, they even pitched, remember, didn't they pitch up Chris Pine's voice to be like baby Chris Pine at the beginning of the movie? Yeah. So the first one we're going to listen to is, these are set up uh, courtesy of Dan St. Pierre, co-director and art director on the movie. He assembled these for us. Which we should say, big thank you, because this didn't exist like in any, in any like immediately shareable capacity until this existed in i'm assuming like dozens of pro Tools sessions on dan's hard drives somewhere he he said he spent probably 40 hours assembling this for us so so thank you big thank you dan for for putting together the sort of before and afters just the nicest dude through all of this like tremendously helpful and for as talented as he is like just so kind and generous with his time yeah Yeah. dan Dan St. Pierre as a talented individual did not did not need to spend 40 hours giving us these comparisons absolutely not not. so the guy who did dan Phil Collins Tarzan did not need to yeah. put 40 hours into our podcast. Yeah. But here I we love go. calling it Phil Collins Tarzan as if he directed it. Dude, Disney. That was a Phil Collins movie, Spencer. <laughs> That's canon. He was the, the auteur of Tarzan. Is it Disney's Tarzan? Absolutely no. not. Is it Phil Collins Tarzan? Absolutely not. It's Disney's yes. Tarzan only because Phil Collins allowed it to Right. <laughs> He elected to remove his name from the film title. So the first one we have is um, comparing Michael York as the core and John Travolta as Dave to Chris Pine as Dave and William Shatner as the core. David, why are you still here? Your generation has nearly completed their million-year journey to the surface. I didn't want to go. There's a cold, dark vacuum out there. Without you, it will be colder and darker. You must go and fulfill your destiny. If it's all the same to you, I'll just stay here. Hmm. What are you afraid of, David? I'm not afraid. I'm just comfortable. Besides, I'm just one particle of light, a simple photon. What difference can I make? All the difference, or none at all. That is for you to decide. Dave, I am very disappointed in you. You have such potential, yet you wasted sitting here. I I just don't see any point in bouncing around the cold, dark vacuum of space, Mr. Corp, sir. Your generation now explores the universe beyond. You must leave Sun City if you are ever to discover your true potential. What difference can I make? I'm just a particle of light, a simple photon. All the difference, or none at all, that is for you to decide. But if you remain here, you will never fulfill your destiny. But but I, I... So obviously there's a big difference between like 
just the dry read and the version with the sound design and vocal effects and music and everything. Yeah, but, but that the was, energy levels are so I, different. I was going to say that that was a dry read in two ways. <laughs> it was a dry read in that you don't get the dramatization of the backing tracks and the vocal effects. It was also a dry read because Travolta sure felt like he was phoning it in. It does. It, oh, I thought your point was going to be about Michael York just being dry as hell in general, which oh, is immediately where my mind Okay, went. but York... York does a pretty good job of being the kind of slow, like, like guy. But Travolta's like, I'm just a particle of light. Yeah. Like, it's very, like, it's very unenthused. I feel like in his just entire delivery, which I think is what you get when you ask a 48 year old man to pretend to be a teenager. <laughs> like, and also, like, it it does sound like he's reading it for the first time. Totally, totally, and. I think the difference between Travolta and Michael York in that is that Michael York is also mostly doing himself. Yes. But him, he himself seems closer to the character than yes. Travolta seems to his character. Big time. 100%. And Pine feels a lot closer to his yeah. character. Also, though, I, I got to give Pine a lot of credit. Like, dude had star power in something that did not necessarily, like— maybe at the time communicate star power potential like an educational children's film probably didn't he I, I don't think chris pine at the time was like oh i'm gonna be captain kirk in star trek one day yeah. when he was probably doing this role but he kind of did the hell out of that role i think he was probably already cast in star trek at that point oh we talked about this didn't we like it was probably right around the same time uh because I, I think the that... og chris pine kirk star trek came out in like what oh nine he, it's really close. Yeah, it was it was released in 09, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I, he yeah. would have already been cast, you're I'm right, sure. You're right, you're right. So he was doing it simultaneously. Okay. But anyway, he did the hell out of it in a way that Travolta just absolutely did not do the hell out of it. Yeah. Pine throughout this whole movie gives, like, a very good performance to something that, like, maybe is not super deserving of a great performance. Like, it... <sighs> I, I think your point a second ago about the fact that he is quite obviously the person of a ridiculously star-studded cast who can least afford at that moment in their career to phone in a performance yeah. Yeah. is definitely part of that dynamic. Yeah, That's real. He is giving full effort on a project that maybe wouldn't require it. He is so psyched to be doing something with all yeah. of the people on that list. Totally. And they've all seen each other or equally famous people before. Totally. And I— don't know that that's the case for him. Yeah. Do we have Sam in here today? Oh, Sam Jackson? Yeah, yeah. We have Sam Jackson versus Sam Jackson later that's right, because that's he's right. in both versions. That's he, right. he was one of the few that did not get recast. Terrific. But we have two different versions of him reading the same stuff. Doing the hell out of it again. A, yeah. a guy who could afford to phone it in at that time and absolutely elected not to. Cannot turn it off. I, yeah, I don't think he's capable of phoning something in. All right. And I, and I love him all the more for it <laughs> after having heard these audio clips. Next, we have Christian Slater and John Travolta as Jammer and Dave versus Hayden Christensen and Chris Pine as Jammer and Dave. Hell yeah. Jammer, Loki, one of my favorite characters in the whole movie. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. I almost asked, which one is Jammer again? He's the the surfing lizard guy. Oh, great. The Habba Jabba. Uh, Habba Jabba. Yeah. The leader right. of the surf gang. I can't wait for this movie to be released so we can all start saying Habba Jabba to Habba each other. Jabba. That was a fun three months <laughs> after the first time we saw it. <laughs> but it only worked with, amongst yeah, the, with three the three of us. Because so. we were the only three people we knew in the world who'd seen this film. Yeah. All right, here we go. 
it's it's magnificent. It's so huge. You mean the universe? Yeah, it's totally humongous. Aw, man. I'll never find Saturn now. Hey, bud, don't worry. Ring City is the place. Sixth planet and at least 20 moons. If you're heading for surface paradise, it's right there. Where? Here, dude. You're too bright. You need some magneto shades to cool the view. Radical? What is it? That's Saturn's magnetosphere. Wicked, ain't it? Come on, we can ride the solar winds all the way to the rings, then pop the bow shock and catch the ring current to whip around Saturn. Oh, man, there's nothing quite as radical as watching the polar winds mixed with the planetary ions over Saturn. Totally luminous, dude. Was this big? It's like the all-time ultimate playground. <laughs> Could you please help me find the Cassini commander? He, he's out near Saturn somewhere. I don't know any Cassini commander, but I totally know where Saturn hangs. We can ride the solar winds all the way there. Check it. Oh, whoa. This is awesome. Hey, Jammer. These waves aren't going to catch themselves. Relax, Razor. Come on, hop on, bro. Do you see that? <laughs> it's unbelievable. That's Saturn's righteous magnetosphere. Oh, wow. It's so tight, but way powerful, bro. So don't get caught on the inside, all right? Or you'll get pulled into its dark side. You sure you don't want to come with us to Neptune? I made a promise to Reyna. I have to finish the mission. Go on ahead. Maybe I'll catch up. And Jammer? Thanks, bro. Nah, that's cool. Hail us if you want to find some sick waves. Later, Dave. <laughs> that later Dave kills me every time. Uh, how old would you guess Hayden Christensen is right there? 2000 and, well, Just whatever. Re regardless of like, don't do the math. How old does he sound? How old does he sound? Or how old do I think Hayden Christensen was? E whatever, either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, don't know, I think he was like probably like late twenties. Yeah, he's. I think he's twenty, twenty six or twenty seven. Okay, he sounds like he's trying to be like fourteen there, though. I mean, I think that's sort of like kind of the role, though, right? Like skateboard gang of like kids that like you know cruise the moons and like. I guess I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that feels like just listen to that sentence for a second. The role is skateboard kids who cruise the moons? What are we doing? Ah, uh, surf. I should have said yeah, surf. just, surfing. Uh, Come on. I, sorry, sorry. But they do kickflips, so I understand uh, your confusion. Yeah, yeah. It's understandable. And also, if we're in space, wheels don't have a ton of purpose here. So, you know. Right. There's, skateboarding yeah. concept. Kick, but kickflips are a lot for, easier in zero G. It's 100%. Never landed one. Never could. No, me either. God, no. <laughs> We all just expressed our coordination. You, well, you guys are too tall for skateboarding, and I was always too fat. It Bless. just never, I don't think it was in the cards for any of us. This is so far a very excellent lesson in the value of actual like sound design and production because the second, like, it's just so hard to even think about the two side by side when yeah. one has been worked on and the other hasn't. These are not fair comparisons because of that, obviously. But. 100%. But also, trying to fully internalize what we learned through the process of making the podcast about how it's not about whether or not this movie is of Oscar quality. 
The dialogue on the first one is a little tough. It it would be hard to produce that up even with like the the energy level that's there. Yes, it's well, it is lacking, just like generally lacking in its spirit. And I'm trying to listen to it and go, the energy here is bad, but the thing I'm asking you to have energy about is also a little yes, shaky but, in moments. But there's an effort thing there too. I totally agree. Like the the script obviously has some issues, but. Like Chris Pine reading the same lines feels very different. I completely agree with that. Yes. And I am trying to parse how much of that is down to like the fact that it's actually been produced and someone's done work to make it sound good versus yeah. like. Right. I, I think there, I, I hear, I definitely hear what you're saying. Like the production value completely changes the value of it. But I think it's pretty clear that there is a whole nother layer happening inside of those deliveries. It's that's both, just not, I think. Yeah, it's, it's definitely both. One thing and I also go ahead. Well, I was going to completely shift. So go, I was just going to say, I think, I think the other thing that I'm, and not to get too like too in the weeds on the actual performances, but like, I think one of the things that I really love about the, the second version is it feels like more character development has happened. And mm. I actually think that that is probably true that like, sure. that there had, there had been from a production perspective, from a directorial perspective, there had been more character development on these characters, which allows for better performances as well. Hayden and Christensen is clearly has a better understanding of who the character of Jammer is supposed to be when he's delivering those lines than, than Slater had. Well, you know? and, and to Harry's credit, the script improved too. 100%. Yes. Absolutely. The, the, the science stuff is much clumsier in the first version. Sure. And it it totally takes you out of whatever story is trying to be told in that moment because it's, you know, magnetosphere this and ionization that and solar winds this. There's hardly any like script left. Yeah. Where like that stuff feels much more natural yeah. in the, the version that was recorded eight or nine or whatever years later. Totally. I was just going to go back to your comment about the sound design and, and mixing and stuff. One thing that I wish we could have found space for in the main arc of the podcast, I interviewed for like, I don't know, did it like pretty extensive interviews with both of the sound editors on the movie from, yeah. from Skywalker. And they're just, that ended up not really being part of the story that we told, but they said they did this whole movie in about two weeks. And part of the, the reason or the, the reason at all that they were able to do it there is basically Skywalker will donate time to projects that they believe in for one reason or, or another. Hmm. In this case, like this had educational value. They knew that there wasn't a budget there's star power they, attached to it. They donated two weeks of their time essentially to say, okay, let's see how far we can take this. Yeah. And they'll do the same thing once in a while with like indie films that they think, you know, Tell could be, could be successful or, or that yeah. like directors that they want to work with in the future and want to give them a leg up on their first movie or something. Sure. So doing this whole movie, like recording the music, mixing the music, sound design, dialogue, editing, ADR, all that stuff in two weeks is damn impressive. Oh yeah. Like Stuart McCowan, the dude, he makes a very brief appearance in the podcast. He's done the last, like the new Jurassic park movies. He's the, the mm. sound designer on those and the editor. And he said, hey, good for him. 
make your paper blue. Yeah, and then he, and then he left to go to. He does sound design at Calm now. Instead, he got out of movies altogether, moved back to the UK, and works for Calm doing sound design. Oh man, yo, maximum respect, bro. Yeah, you were making Hollywood checks, and you're like, you know, it'd be sick if I could work out of my house and make like a big fat check and just. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, he, he was kudos. saying those the Jurassic Park movies are minimum six months, and one of them was like eight or nine. Sure. So to do like anything in that realm of like sci-fi big blockbuster sound design in two weeks with music and dialogue and everything is insane. Even if it's only 45 minutes, it's still, it still should have been, still should have been four months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like, obviously that just comes down to budget because they're still paying all their people union rates that whole time and just eating the cost. Right, right, right. They did some damn impressive work in in two weeks on this movie. Totally. I think, and this is going to come out before the movie's released, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think think folks will see that too when you watch the movie. There are some parts that are like really majestic and a huge component of that from my perspective is how well the audio is done. The audio is done really well. And I feel like there are moments where you're like, oh, this sounds beautiful. And it totally creates an emotional component of the film that would not exist otherwise. And if folks have listened or watched the trailer that's available online as they've been totally through the arc, super unrepresentative. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe maybe this is the space for this story. But at one point we asked the guys about that trailer and they I I tried to delicately ask a question about whether or not they felt like that was representative of the quality of the movie. This was before we'd seen it. Before this, we'd seen yeah. it. This ended up in the podcast. Oh, did I it? I was just going to oh, say, great. I think this <laughs> ended up in the show, too. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, great. But yeah. They, it's funny. We've all listened to the show, clearly, but <laughs> what made it in and what didn't is a bit of a blur. Yeah. We, we recorded that podcast last June. Yeah. And the final edit of episode five was done six hours before it came out. Right. <laughs> Right. And these two did not hear it. No. <laughs> so no. I got it wrong like yeah. a couple can, days ago. Yeah. We can cut you some, cut you some slack yeah. on that. Uh, okay. Next up we have uh, David Warner, who I'm not familiar with. I'm not either. I think he's a British actor. I think, uh, according to his Wikipedia, comes from a theater background. Not familiar with him. David Warner and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, so Warner played the void in the original version. And then we're going to compare that to Mark Hamill and Samuel L. Jackson uh, playing the same characters. My lord. Yes, Phil? We have a problem. The ranger is a neutrino, a ghost particle. The four fundamental forces you know. Gravity, electromagnetic, weak and strong barely touch her. Yes, Phil? She is almost as elusive as a virtual particle. Like a cosmic Jekyll and Hyde. She can even oscillate her quantum nature. By all that is vacuum, how do we catch her? You don't. You annihilate her with these. The science stuff is so heavy-handed in that first version. Yeah, I was just having that thought. Um, I listened to these clips when we got sent them, but I haven't listened to them since, and it's been, I don't know, a month or so. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I even realized that at the time. I think I was more focusing on the voices. But yeah, the the actual like the specificity around the science piece is so much more acute in the in the first version. Mm-hmm. So here's uh, 
Yeah, Mark Hamill and Sam Jackson doing roughly the same thing. We have a problem. The Ranger is a neutrino. The four fundamental forces, gravity, electromagnetic, weak, and strong, barely touch her. She is almost as elusive as a virtual particle. She can even oscillate her quantum nature. How do we capture that which so rarely interacts with matter? I take it back. It's verbatim. Stand simple, you don't. Do not capture her. Annihilate her with the essence of non-existence. Behold, Gelman ghosts, the children of the void. Magnificent. Soon nothing will stand between us and mankind's destruction. I certainly hope so. For your sake. That last bit's wild. Dude, that that is one of my favorite pieces of sound design I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Space ghosts. Ghosts. No, like corporeal form yeah are signified by someone blowing bubbles <laughs> like li- listen to the last two, I, two seconds again that's someone putting a straw into a yoohoo and it, like blowing it, bubbles it absolutely is. and then the sound of bones rattling together so they mm. were like ghosts spooky skeletons bones close enough bubble bones <laughs> bubble bones close enough <laughs> Close enough. I, I fucking love it because it's so absurd. And also, like, it works. It totally works. I was actually going to say the thing that it, I, like, I'm not going to take away from it is, like, it kind of works. And I'm just like, yeah. I roll with it. I no, think no, it's cool. When when I watch it the first couple times, because there's, like, there are pieces of that in the trailer and some of the other, like, clips that we found elsewhere before we actually watched the movie. The first couple times I saw it, I didn't even think about it. And then when we were watching the movie, I was like, wait. Wait a second. Wait a damn minute. <laughs> These are ghosts. Mm-hmm. Why are there bones rattling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just off topic, but also, one of my favorite a, parts of the whole whole project. Also, as a guy who like has done audio engineering and like some Foley, maybe? Sound design adjacent Sound design things. in yeah. general. Like, it makes sense that you were like, hey, quick question. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you give the ghost bones? The ghost bones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> question i've seen live action casper i know ghosts don't have bones what's your problem (laughs) i will say i know that clip was not representative of the thing that we were saying about the science being more heavy-handed in the first one but i do think it is true like through the other clips it is visible for sure i will say we talked about this a lot in the fifth episode but the thing that is represented in that clip is the absolute whiplash-inducing flip from the science to, they do the hard science thing, and they're like, now we annihilate them with the essence of non-existence, Gelman ghosts. Okay, like, so, straight so, from the science. Yeah. That's a thing that, to this day, I don't know if that's a reference to something. Like, is Gelman, is that like the name of a science, is that a reference to some scientific thing that I'm unaware of, or is that just totally arbitrary. Well, and this is a thing we talked about in episode five uh, after having watched the film that I think part of the difficulty in, in the film was that it wasn't artistic enough to be art and it wasn't science enough to be science. And the lines where it gear shifts in and out of those two different worlds are unclear. 
And yeah. like that's a, that is a perfect example of when did we go from space lizards doing kickflips on surfboards to an actual scientific concept that I should be aware of. Now, and and I don't want to speak and, for and even the the space lizards are supposed to be quote surfing the solar winds because that's what photons do. Right. Right. So, and, and but it, I, it's a little more metaphorical in that example rather than a like a tiny bit more metaphorical. <laughs> I mean, yes, <laughs> sure. The whole thing is varying degrees, but yes, I do uh, wonder. Murray Gelman was an American physicist who received the 1969 Nobel Prize in Physics for his work on the theory of elementary particles, and is currently a ghost. And is currently well, <laughs> has he died as a ghost army? Uh, yes. Yeah. This is, okay. So it's it's literal. <laughs> Damn. Uh, how, Not, however, no metaphor there. We're good. However, Space he died in 2019, a which was named Murray, is what I'm getting from this. He yes, died in yeah. 2019 significantly after this movie came out, so it was not a ghost okay. at the time. So Harry was just given Gelman a shout out. ghost of work. All right, next up we have uh, our first Sarah Michelle Geller appearance. Aha. So we get to compare Amanda Peet to Sarah Michelle Gellar. Another underrated, like, real passage of time thing going on there. Yes, maybe not an upgrade, but definitely, like, an indicator of different that, eras of Hollywood. Honestly, like, Amanda Peet is is just fine in this movie. Like, her performance is, is good, holds up with everyone else. That might be the one downgrade for me. Sure. Sarah Michelle Gellar is just great. Yeah, totally. And, like, especially in... 2000 or like 98 you to 2000. You also love Buffy though. So. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> See, I, I kind of love Amanda Peet sort of a lot. A yeah, little, actually, well, so I disagree with this. Maybe this is just pure, I, I gotta, pure I bias coming through. <laughs> I got to hear it again. I was, I was just going to say you love Buffy, so maybe your Buffy fandom is showing, but I oh, didn't actually know. If. It's not maybe. It definitely is. I was just going to hope that that would slide. <laughs> All right, uh, here it is. Stay behind me. I'll protect you. What, what do they want? This. Well, give it to them. Never. This dispatch must reach the Saturn Cassini Space Corps commander in 120 cycles. The fate of trillions upon trillions of photons depends on it. That's two hours from now. You'll never make it. You're right, but you can. Here, take Okay, I take it back. <laughs> Get it to Saturn. I'll hold them off as long as I can. How? We're surrounded. To oblivion with you! Ugh. Scroll command code alpha 3.14159. Did Can I just point out the fucking nerd joke that Harry slipped in there? Please, because I missed Wait, it. Wait, what? Scroll command code alpha 3.14159. Oh my Is god. That a pie joke? That's yeah. pie. Okay. I don't, like it's not even a reference. Like he just needed a random string of numbers and went. It was like fucking pie. pie. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, what's this? A neutrino shield. It'll block all electromagnetic and gravitational interactions. With it, you can reach the surface in seconds. Now go! Eat my oscillations, demon scum! Come on! No, I must hold them back. Get out of here now! Deliver the scroll. I'm counting on you. That's the most chaotic 70 seconds of audio I've ever heard. Tops. Tops. <laughs> like, like no shot anything competes with that, man. That's There's so much going on. Just a grunt a second. It's 
possibly the horniest 70 seconds of audio I've heard in quite some time. That's the least, my least favorite adjective you could have possibly used. I mean, look, dude, it's all grunting and then some like light reassurance. It's just not great. <laughs> God damn it. We fully lost the plot, oh. boys. My, my favorite part is her being like, we have to do this. It's crucial. And then grunting four times and being like, all right, you were right. It's impossible. Wait, is it? Okay, wait. Isn't this the scene, though, where isn't she fighting? She's like fighting off people. Isn't that what so the grunts the, are supposed to be? Is she's like. Yeah, she's fighting the Gelman ghost. This, yes, is, right. this is when she first comes back. That's right. And gives the, like, the message to Dave yes. that he has to deliver to yes. Cassini. Yes. So she has been, she's being chased by these Gelman ghosts through space. She comes back to Dave and is like, you got two hours to do this thing. And while she's explaining it to him, she's like sh- fighting a bunch of flying yeah, yeah, yeah. space ghosts. She's yeah. like, she's like baseball bat, like teeing off yeah. on these, on these ghosts. Divorced yeah. from the visuals, it it's a little different. It's a definitely awkward listen. Yeah. Completely no, unhinged on its own. Yeah. Definitely yeah. an awkward yeah. listen. <laughs> I just want to continue to highlight the fact that Travolta is just not meeting anyone at their energy level. Okay. Like, but but it flips a couple times in that in that one scene. Like at the beginning. She's kind of more laid back, and then Travolta comes out pretty hot. And then she's like, well, now we got to turn it up. And then line by line, it kind of flips yeah. to when then she's like grunting and screaming, and he's like, oh, we'll never make it in that. <laughs> it like flips three or four yeah, times in, okay. in the minute-long scene. I'm not sure if we know this, but are they recording this simultaneously or separately? Because Oh, boy. That's an interesting question about that energy, whether or not they're like... Linked to one another. From the limited video footage we have, Travolta's, I mean, I know, well, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Dan and Harry said some of these, even the first and second ones happened in a couple different sessions with these people. Oh, I think it was like dozens. Okay. So really? Yeah. So they, well, at least the second time. They were going to were a lot. Fly, of, they, yeah, were they were going flying. to a lot of these people. Yeah, I remember that. Harry told us they they like set up shop in a hotel room to record somebody. Right. I don't remember yeah. who it was. I think it was Neil Armstrong or somebody. Sure, but we'll him, come to him you. Him talking about the first bunch sort of seemed like they were begging for whatever they could get, and I assumed that was like a smash and grab kind of situation. But that, I, I've not. To your point about the video, the only video I've seen of these sessions, they're all separate. Yeah, it looks like Travolta alone in a booth. That then, doesn't mean, however, that somebody's not in a booth right next to them and recording it like at the same time, totally. just isolated from each other. But I think, but I think even in like the in the video though, you hear you hear a director being like, "It's one on one direction." It's a direct, yeah. and a, the director is reading the opposing character's lines in the Travolta video. Mm, I, is he? I think he's just giving him like direction on his lines. I'm almost positive it's like da 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 da. Oh, uh, bu- bu- like they're like going back and forth. And then he's like, try it again this way. And then he oh, reads okay. the line from again. I don't remember that part. My, mem- my memory of it is almost a hundred percent that it is like someone staging the lines for him so that he can react to them. Yeah. I, I haven't seen anything to indicate that any of these people were in the same room at the same time. Yeah. Other just, than some of, for the second cast, some of the, like those promo videos that they shot all appear to be in the same location. Whether that, that's for a PR day or a shoot day is a right, different thing. Right. It yeah. doesn't mean that, like, it appears to be a nice studio. Like, they have expensive microphones and shit. Right. But, like, even then, it doesn't necessarily mean that they were recording together. 
One thing I can guarantee is they never did a table read for this film. <laughs> John, John Travolta just did a table read right there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and even, yeah, and even I would say 98% of Hollywood table reads probably have a little more <laughs> yeah. pizzazz to them than and Travolta's performance there. I, I also don't know what is standard for animation. Like, if it would be common to do it this way where everyone's reading their own lines and then you're assembling purely in post. Or if you would get like more cast interaction, I don't. I don't know what is. I. I. What's typical? I. I guess I don't. I don't know for certain. My assumption, particularly with the big budget ones, is these are looked at as acting performances, and so you need an actor to act against an actor, kind of thing. That it's. I just think it would be significant. I mean, I think you get exactly what we're hearing out of some of these. Is these awkward like energy mismatches when they're not bouncing off of each isn't, other, when the performances are not. Isn't that also sort of your job as an actor though, to be able to manufacture that I, to a degree, but not well, like, like, like when you're talking about the energy flip flopping on lines, I think it's really hard line by line to be like, how do I meet this person's energy when I can't hear their energy? Sure. As we escalate together, it's like, that's really hard to do if you're not hearing it and you're both giving your performance yeah. across from each other simultaneously. At least for one half of that. Because once you have one, you could play it back for whoever comes second, and they would get the benefit right. of that dynamic. And they would be acting but, against that yeah. recording. Right. Yeah. Well, I also, I think we're hearing first takes probably of a lot of this stuff sure. for the first cast. Sure. That maybe would have, you know, in a more traditionally produced film, you'd go back and you would maybe replace some of that dialogue or right. whatever. Or, right. hey, we need you to come back in and do. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, here is Chris Pine and Amanda Pete. I want you to get out of here. I'm not going anywhere. You left me before. Do us both a favor and do it again. You left me. I stayed here. <laughs> you were supposed to come with me. Oh, I wanted to, but I, I, I was afraid. It's okay to be afraid, Dave. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I'm plenty afraid now. What do they want? This. Well then, give it to them. Never. The message in this gem must reach the Cassini commander. Okay, what's a Cassini and where is its commander? Out near Saturn. It must get there in less than two hours. Saturn? You'll never get there that fast. I can't, but you can. Raynor! Find the Cassini commander, I'm counting on you. I told you, I'm no Milton Raw, right? The I, I, fate of trillions depends no, no, on it, Dave. No, I, I can't leave you! I'll hold them off as long as I can! The, the sound design got a little bit better, too. Sound design got better, and again, like, the escalation there feels more natural. There's, feels there's a little more emotion in it. Emotional. That, that's National Treasure Amanda Pete coming there. through is what you boys are describing. <laughs> well, I when, am. When Chris Pine yells, I can't leave you. Oof. The the emotional honesty of, you left me, Dave. I was afraid. <laughs> it's just like real direct. Yeah. yeah. I, I couldn't. I was afraid. All right. Also, hey, just good for you. Yeah. Honest communication goes a long way. Therapist is going to be proud, bud. Just significantly <laughs> less Maria Sharapova yes. grunting happening in yeah. that version of the delivery. Like I said, might be the one downgrade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, that okay. was good. Also, I, mean, every, I guess depending on what, yeah, every what, line. What's that, down? What's up, Spencer? <laughs> I, 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 in space, on. there is no up. Get it together, boys. <laughs> 
every line that Chris Pine delivers has the exact same like upward rising intonation to it. And it's really jarring it's a, and kind it, of distracting. But also effective? It is also kind of effective. Um, okay, we get Sam versus Sam now. Not this Sam. Sorry, Jackson. Samuel. The, the good Sam. Samuel. Oh, Knowledge no. is dangerous. It is a serpent that eats away the bliss of ignorance. It is a virus that spreads from teacher to student. It is a danger that threatens us all. A danger that must be destroyed. Knowledge reveals lies. Knowledge obliterates darkness. Knowledge cripples fear. It is the sword of wisdom. A sword that strikes at us all. A sword that must be destroyed. Humans fear the darkness. They seek to dispel their ignorance of the cosmos. A craft called Cassini is their sword. It will bring knowledge. It will destroy our darkness. It must be destroyed. I'm going to play the whole thing because it's outstanding. is the light. The light carries the knowledge. A knowledge that threatens us all. A light that will destroy our darkness. He's perfect. <laughs> Dave must be stopped. The light must not reach Cassini. He must be destroyed. Fly, my dark one. Ah. Destroy, Dave. Destroy the light. Sam says knowledge and destroy like 94 times a piece. And yes. just that one clip. Well, With like seven syllables to each of them. Oh, It's clear what he wants to do. It, He's going to destroy the knowledge, God bro. fucking bless Samuel L. Jackson, man. Yes. Just like, just, just absolutely crushing it. Yeah. American, crushing American it. treasure. Uh, yes. So here it is with... The effects and sound design and everything. Knowledge reveals lies. Knowledge cripples fear. Knowledge is a sword of illumination. A sword that strikes at us all. A sword of light that must be destroyed. Cassini is that soul. It will destroy our darkness. A rogue knight named Dave threatens our plan to destroy Cassini. Dave must be destroyed. Destroy Dave. Destroy the light. Destruction is now. Watch the anti-matter battle groups. Watch the dark matter squadrons. Launch it all. I think Sam Jackson is one of those people where, like, his performance is so well executed that when you add the Hollywood layer on top of it, it's just like, yeah. 
You're it, super duper famous for a reason. Like the performance itself is so over the top just to begin with. Yeah. It, and then you base that voice out and you add all those like effects to it. And you're like, fuck, this pe- is, this guy's awesome. The people chanting and the, the trombone yeah. stabs in the background. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. He's perfect. He's perfect yeah. in yeah. every way. Also that, what he's reading there whatever the space version of like moving to a cabin in the middle of nowhere and writing a manifesto is like, that's what's going on there. But like in the middle, you just start ranting about a guy named Dave. Knowledge will destroy us all. Also this guy, Dave, fuck him. Dave's got to go. Yeah. While we're at it. Dave is our enemy. It's like, uh, this is going to be a very niche. Ah, fuck it. I'm going for it. (laughs) You know how like, uh, Chuck Tingle has this whole oh, yep. whole world of weird, like paranormal, uh, mm-hmm. erotic novels. But then he also just really fucking hates his neighbor Ted <laughs> and drops that into a lot of shit about how his neighbor Ted is literally the devil. Uh, okay, I did not know this. But Getting yeah, similar okay. vibes. It'll be like it'll yeah. be in the middle of like Bigfoot banging a robot, and he'll be like, and then the devil Ted Cobbler showed up. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I hate two things. The pursuit of all knowledge and this guy, Dave. <laughs> Dave's, Dave's a, just ruining the entire universe. I mean, we got to kill him. There's a subreddit called Fuck You in Particular. And it's yes. just very like, yes. like very specifically uh, targeted hate or awful things happening to individuals. Yeah. Some big fuck you in particular vibes from uh, from Sam here. Also, that clip houses a bunch of the uh, smaller versions of... Uh, borrowed narrative perhaps or borrowed like fly my dark ones is uh, a uh, real fly my pretties line and the jason alexander cackling has big like space jam henchman vibes to it speaking of borrowed dialogue we have ann archer versus sandra O oh up next as the cassini commander aka gal 2000 we call that a segue here's ann archer first think 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 Dave, that's not helping. Why do you collect all this information? What do you do with it? After collecting data for 16 hours, I download it to Earth, to humans so that they may learn, grow, and through this growth, better themselves and their surroundings. So, in essence, the solar fleet does not complete its destiny here. How do they get to Earth? I rotate the ship toward Earth, and then use my radio dish to send a modulated radio frequency beam. And radio waves are particles of light. Photons! But they only carry the information of the solar photons. They are not the same ones. But they carry the essence of each member of the fleet. If they fail, the fleet will not complete its destiny. You're correct, Dave. My analysis shows 99.98% probability that the antenna will be struck and destroyed. Can you get it out of its path? Fire your main engines. I'm sorry, Dave. I cannot do that. Why? Main engines are currently offline. (sighs) One last chance. What are you doing, Dave? Dave, please tell me what you are doing. I feel funny, Dave. You missed, Dave. I wasn't aiming for them. Yo, dude, what's up? Christian Slater's back. Slater, Countdown, gal. Yes, Commander. 
five, four, three, two, one. Woohoo! Let's show these guys how to shoot the tube. That was that was three sentences in a row that were fully lifted from 2001: A Space Odyssey. Which ones? Let's show these guys how to shoot the tube. It's my favorite bit of Space Odyssey. <laughs> that dialogue. one's not from, that's not from 2001. <laughs> the, the, I'm sorry, I can't do that, Dave. Yeah. When, yeah. when they're trying to, when Hal takes over the ship and they're trying to shut them down. I know that one. Is it just the, is it the whole. The, either side of that is yeah, also like it, word for it. word. I mean, nothing happened with copyrights here. Carrying on. I failed you, Reyna. I failed you and I failed everyone. Dane, that's not helping. If you have no further questions, I must ready myself to receive the Huygens transmission and prepare it. Wait, wait, wait. Prepare it for what? What do you do with all this information? I download it to Earth, to humans. The Huygens data is my most vital transmission. I am very excited. Aren't you? I am, I am. And how does the data get to Earth? I rotate the ship towards Earth and then use my radio dish to send a modulated radio frequency beam. That's it! They're after the radio dish! Destroy that and all your discoveries are lost. You are correct, Dave. Analysis shows 99.98% probability that the beam will destroy the antenna. Can you get out of its path? Or fire your main engines or something? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Main engines are currently offline. What are you doing, Dave? Dave, please tell me what you are doing. I feel funny, Dave. You, you missed. missed. I wasn't aiming for them. I was accessing your communication systems. Yo, little glowy bro, what's up? Such an Hob- ex. Habba jabba. My little glowy bro. Yo, little glowy bro. Aiden <laughs> pulls it off, man. He really pulls it off. Aiden Christensen seems like a good time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yo. There's no, there's no shot having a drink with Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen is not fun. Speaking of having a drink, <laughs> I made it through. I made it through. Oh boy! Uh, all right, we have one left, and it's not really a comparison. And I don't know why Dan included it, but I'm very glad they did. It's just a bunch of music from the movie, and then William Shatner giving like an inspirational speech over it. Oh yeah, it's that. It's the like alternate outro kind of thing. I don't honestly. I would need to rewatch the movie to recall like, yeah, if, if this is in it, and if so, where. So, and I actually want to address this really quickly. A question that we've had, and I don't think we talked about at length on the show, is. It's unclear how much of the original script of the sorry, not the original script, not the first cast script, but the second script, which did exist in its hour and whatever long capacity, hour and like a half. A, I think they said it was like a hundred minutes. Yeah, hundred minute long capacity. That's so much Quantum Quest. That's yeah, an like hour at least and, twice as long as what yeah. ended up out there. Yeah, yeah, more right. 40, yeah. 40, 40. I think they said it was like ninety to hundred, and the, the one that's out there is like forty-eight or something. Sure. Okay. So it's unclear how much of that audio got produced into a final. I'm putting air quotes up right now, which you can't see on a podcast, but like a final form. Like, I guess what I'm saying is, is there an audio play? And I don't think we've confirmed this with Dan or Harry. Is there an audio play? And I'm throwing up air quotes again of the entire hundred minute version of 
Quantum Quest, or were they surgerying these clips together to get to the shortened version, and then they added all of the music, dramatic effect, vocal, you know, impact, etc. I think it's actually kind of both, because Dan said to us that they had the whole 100-minute version cut, well, cut into animatic reels, which is like temp sound, temp music, and, you know, like rough animation, basically. So some version of that whole thing would exist, but the version that they took to Skywalker to actually record the score and do all the sound design and stuff was the 45 or 50 minute version. So it wouldn't be at like the same standard, but I think there is some version of the whole hundred minute thing that if it doesn't exist now did exist at one point. I also had that question going back to the like, there was so much more science in the first version. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious in that 90 to a hundred minute version of this, how much of what got cut was more science. And it's, Pretty easy for me to think about a way where that solves some of the like herky jerkiness of bouncing back and forth. We, like we even that, talk about that, I think, in the fifth episode yeah, where we say bit. like you know the the reduction in length clearly contributes to the fact that the cohesiveness of the film is not as maybe desirable as one would want as a viewer. Well, and if you have to cut half of your movie. That would be the stuff that you could cut and still have some sort of coherent narrative, story. Yeah, you, it's it's the less narrative focused plot points. Like we got to make sure we hit these points for the actual story to make sense. So if you have to reduce the science, then which is sort of an interesting metaphor for educational films in general. <laughs> sure, <laughs> totally, totally. And, and Dan said even from the version that they were working from in two thousand, he described that as I think he said like huge and bloated. Mm. So he said they made a ton of cuts before they even went to Taiwan to start making it in 07. Yeah. And then from that version, they cut half. Yeah. So the stuff that we're hearing from 2000 would have been like two significant edits removed from the final version. Yeah. Yeah. They trimmed it just to get it down to that hundred minute version and then cut half of all of that. I would love to, man, I mean, would be worth a conversation with Dan to just say, can we just does have, it exist? Does it exist? And if it does, can we just like not have it have it? But like, can we can we give it to the people? Like, you know, they've talked about wanting to redo this film or refinish this film in some capacity that includes, I think, that whole script, all of that audio. But like, if that is a if the, if that is if that ship has sailed. Is it worth saying, hey, look, like, let's acknowledge the narrative that we originally intended in its entire entire capacity, at least from an audio perspective. So you can hear the actors, you can hear the script that was written by Harry. I would we, love to know what that looks like. We know I for sure they have all of the dialogue. Yeah. It right. would just be a matter of like- Whether or not it's been music- assembled. Yeah, right. Because Harry and Dan said that they could go back and make the 100-minute version. Right. Meaning they have all of the dialogue recorded. It would yeah. just be a matter of animating it and then doing the additional music and sound yeah. design and all that stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. So we'll let Shatner play us out here. Oh, yeah.
A universe of possibilities exists for each of you to discover. Vanquish fear in all of his forms. Free yourself of ignorance by educating yourself in any way possible. on these and other space images, go to nasa.com, jpl.com, or qqthemovie.com.